KXNO Des Moines. From the Lithia Body and Paint Sports Desk, powered by BMW of Des Moines, this is an X's and O's update on 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. Yesterday, Iowa was looking to make their first Sweet 16 in 20 years as they took on second-seeded Tennessee. The Hawkeyes come roaring back from down 25. Please can't post up. In the corner, Moss. Oh, Isaiah Moss with the shot clock expiring. The Hawkeyes force overtime, but in the end, too much Grant Williams. Williams goes to work, spins, and he hits a jumper. Little turnaround is sweet from Grant Williams. The calls from CBS as Iowa falls 83-77 and finishes here 23-12. The Iowa women punch their ticket to the Sweet 16 as they route Missouri 68-52. Megan Gustafson with 24 points and 19 rebounds and the Hawkeyes win. Tonight, the Iowa State women look to make the Sweet 16 as they take on 11-seeded Missouri State. 8 o'clock tip-off. Hear the game on 1460 KXNO. Sports Radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, Dylan Mons from the Ames Tribune in about 10 minutes. Do basketball and football with Dylan. Iowa State's pro day is tomorrow, bright and early, 8.30 in the morning. Mm. I was going on right now, starting to see a bunch of pictures show up on Twitter. A lot of the Iowa media that was in Columbus is making their way back or has made their way back. Uh, so Dylan Monson about till 10 minutes, and then Rob Doster at 11.35. So, Ken, normally we go through, and these are bucket list kind of items that you hit throughout the year, the checkpoints, if you will, mm-hmm. across the season. And we're getting ever so close to baseball. I told you earlier, I had uh, two fantasy baseball drafts last night. Opening day's Thursday. It's Thursday? Thursday. Are you ready, no. ready for... Not at all. No, because I thought we'd have one of our two t- teams making it to this coming weekend. Right, and right. sadly, that's not going to be the case. We love talking baseball. Mm-hmm. We both enjoy the sports still. How about, by, by the way, one quick baseball note. Ian Happ starting in Des Moines. Yes, absolutely. That was a, a big, yeah. big surprise, I thought. Because he went to Joe Madden prior to the season and said, Look at your, I'm going to make you play me at second base. I want to play in the infield this year. More Elmora in center? Well, Elmora played a ton of games last year. I saw that. Yeah. I saw a stat. He played um, 153 games last year for the big club. I didn't think he played that many. How many starts did well, he Well, good have? point. Yeah. I don't know the number there, but he defensive was a defensive replacement, replacement yeah. right? Because he's really good defensively. I'm ready for the Cubs. They moved the needle here in the yes. summer months. Not nowhere near like the two needle movers that are going to be on hiatus <laughs> till August. Or July with football media But days. we got spring football. No, there's we always got the something. draft. We got plenty to go there. We got decisions for college basketball. Who's yeah. going to... Who else? Outside, we know Wigington for Iowa State is well, going Moss to be available. Well, last year went through the process. Right. Does he do that again this year? You know, he Does didn't... Horton Tucker do that for Iowa State? I would, if I was him, I would. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't play well, certainly, uh-uh. against Ohio State. Nope. There's deficiencies in his game, but... The kid just turned 18. Yep. Halliburton? 
That's one that is. I see his name with. I'm I not do saying too. in drafts. I'm just no, saying no, no, no. He is. Is he on draft boards? There are people really, and I, it shocked me. In fact, people would ask Rob Doster because he was one of the first ones that him and he had Travis Hines mm-hmm. on his podcast, and that was one of the things that they were talking about, and it floored me. I mean, just absolute floored. I told you the story of Tyrese Halliburton that I had heard conveyed to me when he was a in high school, and Halliburton was a player that at the time his best offer was from Northern Iowa, you and I. A bunch of mid-majors were involved, Wisconsin kid. You know, is Wisconsin or Marquette going to get involved? Didn't look like it. And then leading up to the next evaluation period, he blew up. He, he had a stretch of three games or three weeks where he just played outstanding. Then Iowa State and some of the other power programs came involved. But before that, you and I coaching staff and, and somebody that I know closely connected there said, we thought we had him. Is that right? I mean, you think of him in the backcourt really? with A.J. Green? Yeah. That's talking about building in the Valley? In, in the FEC? And then he, he goes down. And then he puts together the season that he had this year. He's an interesting one, though, because you look at a lot of metrics out there. He wasn't used a whole lot. I mean, just he hit those wide-open threes when he had them. He's a guy that you figure there's so much upside to his game. He could take a huge step forward for Iowa State next year, but... I believe he will, Trent. Do you get evaluated? Yes, why not? doesn't hurt. It doesn't. You don't lose anything. Nope. And you can do it again next year. It's yes. not like you only get one chance right. to get this evaluation. Boy, I'm watching Aubrey Dawkins again. How the hell did that not fall? I don't... I, I watched it a half dozen times. Mm-hmm. I still don't know how it didn't fall. No, I Just I don't hang either. in there. How about the... Uh, and this was... I, you could sense the emotion in Coach K's voice mm-hmm. talking about Johnny Dawkins after the game. Did you see uh, Jay Billis at some point over the weekend? He called Johnny Dawkins the most important piece of this Duke dynasty. Johnny Dawkins. Isn't that incredible? That really is. But coming from Billis, mm-hmm. you know, that resonates a little bit to me. I mean, he was he was Coach K's right-hand man for, for a long time and right. played there, of course, and played very well. Uh, boy, oh boy, that would have been that would have made the weekend for me. Not the fact that I didn't want to see Duke go forward because Zion Williamson is so fun to watch, and I like Barrett's game. Um, but with the weekend needed that Trent. All sixteen favorites between Saturday and yesterday prevailed. Even Auburn, though a seeding upset over Kansas, right? They, they were, were favored. favored. Yeah. They were favored in Vegas. They blew Kansas out. They blew them out. Them. And when they are playing at the level that they played there, or what we saw in the mm-hmm. SEC tournament, they're as good as anybody. No, I'm with you. They're as good as anybody. I, I was with you because I, I've always disliked Duke. I've never been a Duke fan. But I told you, as I'm heading to the Final Four, I want to see Zion there. Sure you do. This college basketball season, regardless of what happens, Tennessee wins a national championship. Kentucky wins a national championship. Keep going. This year... Florida State wins a national championship. Or North Carolina. North Carolina wins a national This year, though, will always be remembered. Oh, that was the Zion year. Mm-hmm. That's how mm-hmm. this year is remembered. And if they would have got beaten the round of 32, I think it would have taken some of some of the luster off of it. I mean, you got all yeah. the favorites there except for Duke. Yeah. That would have stung a little bit. I, I guess. Because um... he is the story. This Duke team is the story. Of college basketball this season, and to lose them. Yeah, Taco is a pretty good story, though. Too. That is a great story. Yeah. yeah. Do you think Mike Shashevsky even knew who that dude was until he showed up? I don't know. I really and truly I mean, that don't. That guy's really tall. <laughs> yeah. Did you see? You know, speaking of Zion and, and that game, I thought he charged late in the game when he was. Yeah. I, I thought that very easily could have been called a charge. 
but it wasn't. Uh, we move on. Dylan Mons is in studio. We will talk to Dylan next. I'm going to recap the Iowa State season. You know, what it seems to me, uh, what could have been? I mean, this was yes. the year to get Kansas. This was the year to get Kansas. And if there was a team to do it, we felt like it was in January, Iowa State. Certainly seemed like they were on that very short list. We'll do some football as well. Pro days tomorrow morning, bright and early, 8.30. Iowa State Pro Day tomorrow. All 32 teams will be in attendance. And then spring football, I believe the media gets their first opportunity with the coaching staff. We'll ask Dylan, but we've got a flag to give away, Trent Condon. Let's do it. Heartland Flags, our random fan of the day. You can find any kind of flag at Heartland Flags. Of course, Hawkeye, Cyclones, Cubs, Twins. Those are the easy Easy ones. Those are the easy ones. We're digging a little bit deeper here. To our listeners and to the great people out there with KXNO, see if we can go a little bit deeper. You came up with the team I think they today. deserve to be today's team, Trent. They're our, the only Big 12 team left. Well, then you just gave it away. I would hope, to our fine listeners out there, Texas Tech, our random... Is there a Texas Tech fan in Des Moines in our listening audience? This one... This one's digging a little deeper. Last week we did Michigan, we did Minnesota. A lot of Gopher fans in fact Saw came that, in. Yeah. yeah, Gopher fans were coming in hot and heavy. Texas Tech though, digging a little deeper. Maybe somebody from West Texas, somebody that I don't know really thought Cliff Kingsbury was handsome and became a fan. I don't know where else to go. And of course, the alumni base there. Texas Tech, a random fan of the day. You got a flag. All you got to do, tweet at us at Miller and Condon. Send us a picture. Show your fandom. You wearing a T-shirt? Maybe you're sitting in the office hat, right now. Anything? You you got a you got a bobblehead of Bobby Knight when he was coaching the Red Raiders. Whatever it is, make sure to picture show of us. Cliff Kingsbury hung up somewhere. Yeah, well, <laughs> there could be plenty of those. He is a handsome, handsome man. Texas Tech fans, let's find one out there at Miller and Cotton. Tweet at us, and we'll get you hooked up with the flag, courtesy of Heartland Flagpoles and Flags. Now we'll come back with Dylan Monts, uh, bottom of the hour, a little bit past that, 11.35. Rob Doster's here, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. This is Iowa State Athletics Director Jamie Pollard, and you're listening to Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. FullerDental.net, they sponsored this portion of the program. couple of locations. If you're looking for a dentist, if you're new to the area or you haven't been to the dentist in a while, a couple of locations for Dr. Stephen Fuller and staff, 2822 East 29th Street in Des Moines and 410 8th Street Southwest in Altoona. East 29th Street, 410 8th Street Southwest in Altoona. Check them out online, FullerDental.net, FullerDental.net. Well, Dylan Montz was in Hilton on Saturday night. He was at Wells Fargo on Thursday. You've had a lot of hoops and footballs in your immediate future tomorrow morning, pro days. How are you? Yeah, doing well. It, it does kind of feel like a time where about everything is going on. And, um, you know, got a little bit of hoops overload this weekend. But, um, you know, that that's small problems, small potatoes uh, to complain about. But it, it was a lot of fun uh, seeing all those games in person. Yeah, I bet it was. Uh, Trent was there for all six of them as well. You mm-hmm. had a ball down there, Trent Condon. Des Moines looked good. No doubt about that. Well, Iowa State, how would you, you know, 10 years from now, how will we remember this season? Maybe as a what might have been? Might that may, perhaps be the prevailing thought about this team when we look back? Yeah, I think so. Uh, obviously, the talent is something that people have talked about all season. The talent was evident. You go down the line from Mariel Shayok, Taylor Horton Tucker, Lindell Wigginton, Nick Weiler Babb was kind of the, the guy that held it all together, George Condit, Cameron Lark. I mean, you can go down and, but, to be able to fit it all together, they they had it clicking for a while, then fell apart. 
got it back together for Kansas City and then um, just couldn't find any ways to get things going against Ohio State. So I think you know, when you talk about expectation of them just getting back to the tournament, they did that. They won a Big 12 tournament title, which people weren't necessarily look, looking at uh, prior to the season. But um, the failure to live up to the potential maybe is something that people will talk about. Yeah, and Kansas being down this yes. year, right? what might have been. Sorry, Trent. K-State, Texas Tech, they get the regular season title. The ones two up end Kansas. That one certainly a stinger. And then the performance against Ohio State. Now, because it's a Big Ten team, because it's a team with Ohio State that does have some some basketball pedigree, not like they do in football, but still, they've been to Final Fours, they played for titles before. Did that maybe take some of the sting away, as opposed to if this was a mid-major, they would have lost to in that fashion? Maybe even more difficult to swallow for Cyclone fans. Yeah, I think if it's a mid-major, it kind of changes the conversation a little bit, but given some of the problems that Ohio State had, and, and knowing the kind of team they were and how they had to succeed for Iowa State to not be able to take advantage of guarding in the post a little bit better, finding mm-hmm. ways to stop Wesson. Um, that That's disappointing, but I think the biggest thing was the ineffectiveness of their offense just because you knew that Weston was probably going to get his points, and you had to slow him down marginally. He was in foul trouble a, a little bit early on, but uh, you know to not be able to find the shot or hit the shot because you know really they were down five points a lot of the time, and it felt like fifteen just mm-hmm. because of their their inability to to hit the bucket. So I, I think that's kind of you know maybe what what stings a little bit more is that Ohio State played its game, but if Iowa State could have hit a couple more, they would have they would have you know overcome some of that. It really was, and this just wasn't an Iowa State thing. The, 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 the officiating in this tournament has been piss poor, boys. I mean, yeah. it really has. It's been awful. The, the Iowa game, I mean, the, the kicked ball on Halliburton that he got with his hand. I mean, please, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And even, you know, to go more national, I thought the Duke UCF stuff was, oh, was unbelievable, too. Right, some of the block charge. The and... block charge. Some of the, when Zion was driving to the mm-hmm. basket, you know, Taco Fall would, would block him, but uh, his hands would be, you know, at a 90 degree angle bent over. So it's, yeah, it, it's kind I of. I thought Williams's last, uh, when he got to the free throw line, I thought that that was a charge. Yeah, absolutely. So it's inconsistent yep. to say say it mildly. No, no doubt about it. Well, the Ohio State game, let's kind of um, you know uh, put an exclamation mark on that, if you will. Horton Tucker, man, picked a bad time to have a really bad game. Um, Weiler Babb, likewise, he he didn't. He, he's certainly been better. Shayok is going to get his, but the starters. I mean, Shayok had twenty three. The other uh, the other four starters combined for ten. Michael Jacobson had none of those. Lard was good though. I just I just wasn't there night. Yeah, you 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 can have a couple guys that miss, but when you have like three or four, you know that that makes it a lot tougher. But Shayok was good. Um, I know we talked about Cameron Lard um, on Friday, I think it was, and and what it would take for him to be successful. I thought he kind of did all that. Mm-hmm. He had, he had those couple fouls, but maybe one oh, of his better games of the year. Dylan. I, I think so. His energy was was just there. He was attentive. He was engaged, and, and that's what you wanted. But when you you're missing some of the shots that they did, um, you know, Taylor Horton Tucker kind of stuck to what he does. It took some tough shots, um, you know. Just unlike the Baylor game, it just didn't fall. It was it was reminiscent a little bit of Kansas State, where you just almost couldn't play him down the stretch. You had to find other playmakers to get in there. And um, you know, Nick Weiler Bab had looks at the end. It just you know, again, they couldn't put all the pieces together despite the talent they have uh, all up and down the roster. Another frustrating component to me is something that Dylan we've talked about for months on end here, and and maybe it's just because I'm too old school, but there were plenty of opportunities this year for Iowa State to at least dabble and playing two big guys together. And you go back to way even back in the non-conference portion before Solomon Young's injury, but they never did. 
do you think that's more just coaching philosophy with Steve Prome and the way his he wants his team built, or the way these guys would have mixed a match? You play one at center and one at power forward, just didn't work the way, and the strengths maybe these guys could have played together very well with the bigs. Yeah, I think uh, there, there's a couple different parts of it. Uh, Steve Prome's always going to be a guy that builds his teams around its guards. Uh, point guards are obviously really important to him. Shooting guards, the, the wings, uh, he likes to play small, but I think when you look at the beginning of the season, um, not having Cameron Lard in there, um, being kind of unsure about what your lineup was going to be just because of suspensions or injuries, whatever mm-hmm. it was, um, they had to kind of recreate their identity by mixing and matching and, and plugging holes with guys. And so when they kind of finally got their full complement back together toward the end of the non-conference season, the beginning of the Big 12, I think Steve Prohm obviously just made a decision that, you know what, they're, they're going to stick with that four-guard lineup. They're not going to you know, maybe dig themselves a hole early in the Big 12, trying to play two bigs and figure it out, just given some of the looks from the other teams that they'll see. So I think it was kind of set up for them like that from the beginning of the season, even if Steve Prohm would have liked to play two bigs. I just think it wasn't going to work because they had already kind of built their identity. So um, maybe next year if guys are, you know, if they have their full full roster to begin the season with, maybe they'll look at two bigs. But I think it's always going to be a guard-based lineup for them but um yeah they were kind of the cards were taken out of their hands a little bit at the beginning of the season just because of the suspensions and some of the injuries what do you anticipate with lindell wigington obviously he's going to go through the process you would think you think he's a cyclone next year i i think he probably goes i I just think that's that's the way he's leaning just some of the um you know after his freshman season he obviously debated that really hard opted to come back and i think with some of the inconsistencies of his role and and some of his numbers um you know, I, I think he'll probably look to make a jump. I, I, it's hard to think if he'll get drafted. Maybe somebody will take a flyer on him in the second round. But I think he'll probably look to you know, make the jump and, and just kind of uh, reset his, his career a little bit. And that's, you know, understandable just given some of the ups and downs that he had. Could be the leading scorer next year. I mean, Shayok's out of eligibility. I would think by default, Wigington would play that role. And, and that's the thing. I, I think... He, he would fill out that role perfectly. Uh-huh. And that, that's kind of what got him in trouble a little bit this year. Shayok had kind of assumed that Tyrese Halliburton was your point guard, so he filled that role. Mm-hmm. Nick Weiler Babb kind of held things together. So he was kind of left to come in and, and try to get his numbers wherever. But he would automatically, I think, be that guy if he came back. Dylan, it's that time of year. Of course, the recruiting class will be coming in next year. Three-player recruiting class, Luke Jack, uh, Anderson from down in Florida, big guy, kind of a stretch four type, uh, Marcetus Leach, who is an athletic freak, and then Trey Jackson. But people are wondering about transfers. Any names bandied about? Or are we still a little bit too early Well, they've for that? got one that they sat out this year. What's it? Nixon yeah, from Pre- Colorado right, State. Yeah. Yeah. Prentice Nixon. Prentice, yeah, he, yeah. He's, been, he's been sitting out, so he'll come in and, and kind of fill some of the void. But And I heard some good things about him. Have you? Good. Yes. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. it sounds like he's a tough kid, and mm-hmm. uh, they really like what he'll be able to bring. But as of right now, I don't necessarily know too many names, but I obviously you know, they could be looking at replacing quite a few guys. They'll lose the three seniors. Um, maybe Wigginton, maybe Taylor Horton-Tucker. Maybe Lard. Maybe Lard. So this roster, um, they could have some pretty talented pieces back, but they could also be looking at at quite a different lineup. So that's why these next few weeks or months, I mean, because this thing is going to drag out now, it feels like. But, um, you know, it could be a different look. Uh, Let's switch to football. Uh, Pro day tomorrow. Um, Hakeem Butler going to be there. David Montgomery will be there. But I would anticipate 
they, you know, they're probably going to rest on their combine numbers, right? Yeah, they'll have 12 guys there in total um, from Iowa State, so it'll be quite a quite a big group, I guess. But, uh, yeah, for Montgomery and Butler, i got to think, um, especially Butler, I think he'll kind of let his combine numbers speak for themselves in terms of his, his running and the weight room stuff and maybe focus on more of the position drills. Right. Um, maybe Montgomery takes another shot at the 40, but I don't know if it's necessarily imperative. You don't want to run a worse time and then no. have that be out there, too. So. I think those guys will probably at least mainly stick to their position work, um, you know, some some drills, position drills, catching the ball, things like that. But um, it, it sounds like the other uh, host of guys are going to be and doing. Do you have that list? Harvey's got to be on it. PV, I would think, will be on it. Do you know any of the other names? Yeah, Matthew Eaton, DeAndre Payne, um, Mike Warren. Uh, Demonte Ruth, uh, Camilo okay. Tangamoa is going to be there. Is so, he? Wow. Yeah, uh, you know, tw- 12 guys, I think I said. So, yeah, g- quite a big group. A lot of the seniors, Kyle Kempt is going to be there, so he'll probably throw to those guys a little bit. So, yeah, it- it'll be interesting to see those guys and, and kind of hear, you know, what their plans are moving forward. Well, Matthew Wheaton passes the eye test. Yes, he, he does. He really looks like yeah. He looks the part. I'm anxious to see how he does. Willie Harvey, too. Well, and of course, Hakeem Butler. Uh, he- he's going yeah. to pass any kind of eye test that you can put out there, and he passed a lot of other tests. So what teams have you seen bandied about? We know the long, long history, the last time since Iowa State's had a first-rounder. Is there a team or two that you've looked at, and, and maybe we'll see there at the, at the uh, pro day, late in the first round, that can end that long streak without a Cyclone first-rounder? Yeah, it sounds like all 32 NFL teams will be there um, in, in the NFL network, it sounds like. But, yeah, I think probably Butler is is – the most likely um i think the combine numbers kind of open some people's eyes at least his, his running ability and um you know there's the inconsistency factor mm-hmm. of him some of the drops that he's had in, in the past and then he dropped a few um even doing some of the drills at the combine but it, it you know i think people can sometimes overlook that and pick a guy based on talent and they just want to get him in the building and they're they're fine working on stuff like that so uh, yeah i think um you know, I'm I'm hard pressed to say he's he's going to be a first rounder by any means, but uh, you know, slowly over the last few weeks and and couple months, he's he's kind of worked himself into that conversation. So all you need is one team to take a take a, a chance on you, and and you're there. So. Yeah, well, he's not getting out of the second day for sure. That that would be um, yeah, that'd yeah. be a massive surprise. Um, that's not going to happen. So you'll get Matt Campbell tomorrow. Tomorrow night, yep. And then going forward, coaches and coordinators win. Yeah, so on Thursday then, it, I believe it's going to be Alex Golish and the tight ends, Tom Manning, the offensive coordinator, and, and the running backs. He's kind of filled that that role as the run game coordinator, so it's under that umbrella. And then it's Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, over the next few weeks, we'll get every every single position and a couple guys from each. So it'll, it'll be a lot of football talk here in the spring. Okay, I'm in. Yeah. Trent, you in? Sign me yeah, up. yeah. Don't, you don't need to twist my arm on that one. Um, will you see? Will the media be allowed to see any of the practices between now and the the end yeah so we'll actually get in there tomorrow afternoon after all the pro day stuff is over and and get to see segments of it and um i think it, we'll get to see a little bit more than just the, the stretching like we've had in the past <laughs> uh which which will be kind of nice to actually see them do right. a few drills yeah. uh but uh yeah I, I don't i can't remember exactly 
how long the the window is, but we'll get to see. Um, you know, we'll have an opportunity to walk around, see all the positions and and some of the guys out there, which is is what I've been looking forward to to see kind of um, who's slotted where at this point. Well, I'm looking forward to talking about battles with you throughout the next couple of weeks. Not you and I having battle, but the actual football team battling. You know what I mean, uh, Dylan? Thank you for what you do. Ames Trib is where you can read Dylan. Um, Travis getting the call tonight. I know you covered Iowa State women on Saturday. Is Heinz going to elbow his way into there tonight? <laughs> yeah, he, he's he's jumping up there to, to write a column. Front and then, runner then, like he is. And then we'll have Hayes Gardner, our Iowa State women's basketball beat reporter there too. So uh, full house, just not me included. Gotcha. Uh, did you enjoy it on, on, on Saturday night? It was great. Uh, I thought Iowa State hosted really well. And um, obviously watching Iowa host, um, they got a big crowd over there. Yeah, and, sure did. Yeah, fun, fun time for women's basketball in the state, though. Really, really talented teams, Drake included. Yeah, indeed. Drake uh, in a heartbreaker. And then uh, Iowa State, an opportunity to punch their ticket tonight to the Sweet 16. Good to see you, Dylan. Thank you, as always. Thanks, we'll talk Dylan. to you during the week. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Take care. I'll take a time out. Rob Doster joins us next. What does he know about Steve Prohm and Texas A&M that no one else in mm-hmm. the country knows about? Um, we'll ask him when he joins us next. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. A dream builder. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Welcome back, Miller and Con, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. We found our Texas Tech fan, Trent. We have, very quickly. What? A Red Raider fan. Awesome. Hanging out, ready to go. So we have our winner for Heartland Flags, Flag Pulls and Flags. Random fan, Texas Tech, and a winner already. We do. Uh, Rob Doster joins the program as we recap the first four days of the tournament. Rob, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on, Rob Doster. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. What's going on? How we doing? Doing well. Basketball, the game's in a second. I have to ask you about the Steve Prohm Texas A&M uh, nugget that you put out there on your podcast because I hadn't seen it before. Uh, what? Uh, where? I'm not asking you your source was, but where did you? Um, I mean, how, how how much credibility do you think was uh, was there to this? Especially when you factor in Billy Kennedy was you know his mentor, if you will. What what can you tell us about A and M and Steve Prohm that you, you you believe you learned? Oh, well, I don't I don't know if there was actually um, any discussions between them, but it, the point that I was trying to make is that um, from people people around that program and people around college basketball thought that. Uh, there was a chance Steve Prohm might be trying to um, find a way to make a move. You know, he's come up on a, uh, you know, it's been a great season for him at Iowa State. He's got some players in that program that might end up be le- uh, might end up leaving. Um, and so, you know, this is a good time to kind of get out while you're on top, so to speak. And the connection just was, you know, he's a Southern guy at heart. Um, he is a guy that worked for Billy Kennedy. And if Billy Kennedy was going to try to get out and, you know, that might be a place that he could end up going to. But, like, the the, the reason that I brought it up was mostly because I, the point was about um, Alabama and the fact that he might end up wanting to go there. Because Texas A&M has basically been uh, Buzz Williams. You know, that's that's probably going to happen. Like, okay. as soon as they get knocked out of the tournament, that's probably what mm. it ends up being. So I, I would not – I don't think that Steve Prohm is going to go there. The point was mostly just, like, there are people that think that he might be um, looking to make a move. But I've kind of heard things – that pop, when, when was that part? I can't even remember. Like Thursday. Thursday, I think. Yeah. Make me believe that uh, Prohm probably isn't going to end up leaving. Um, but I mean, we'll see. Anything. It's like 
anything can change in these in these coaching searches, man. You know, Viking Jones was told that he was going to be safe and he was going to get another year at Cal, and two days later he ends up getting fired. So uh, we'll see how this all plays out. But if I was a betting man at this point, I probably would. I wouldn't bet my money on it, but I might wager Trent Salomon <laughs> on, uh, on um, Steve Promstein. Well, that sounds like one of the wagers that you normally make there, your, your $10 wagers that you like to fire out there. <laughs> Rob, uh, with that, let's... Let, bet small, man. When you're betting everything, you got to bet them small. Yes, exactly, exactly. Let's get into the games. And overall, a weekend, a few upsets here and there, but the strength at the top held. And we've talked a lot this season about those top teams and how it just felt like they were a cut above. Maybe it was more than just seven or eight teams, though, the three, the three line. I was surprised at all three, uh, all four, three got to to the round, the Sweet Sixteen. What what was this? Is it just the gap between the top teams and everybody else was so significant? Was it matchups? Your takeaway as we get a very chalky Sweet Sixteen. I love it. You know, uh, after the first weekend that we had, which was pretty boring, you know, to say the least. Um, I think we got, what was it, the Duke-UCF game was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Tennessee almost blowing two leads was a lot of fun to watch. Mm -hmm. Maryland played a couple of great games. But, I mean, beyond that, like, we didn't get a single buzzer beater. The only team that's ranked outside of the, or that's seeded outside of the top five seeds to make to the Sweet 16 is an Oregon team that has been to the Final Four in 2017 and then then the Sweet 16 in three of the last four years. So it's not like we really have uh, any underdogs. Um, at this point in the season. I love it, you know, because at this point, no matter what happens, think about it like this. If you were going to take a 16-team tournament, instead of making it a 68-team tournament, if you were going to make a 16-team tournament, what changes would you make from this field Mm. to make it your perfect 16-team tournament? I don't think that there necessarily is one. Now, you can make an argument that Oregon, you wouldn't want to be there. But I don't know that Oregon isn't like a top-20 team in all, of the, in all of college basketball at this point, with the way that they're playing. You know, they've won 10 straight games. Eight of those 10 have been either road games or on neutral courts. Uh, within those wins, they beat Wisconsin by 18 points, uh, which was the only loss that the Big Ten took in the first round of the tournament. They beat uh, uh, Washington twice. One of those games was on the road, and one of those games was in the Pac-12 tournament title game. Um, you know, they have the talent on the roster. Lewis King is great. Peyton Pritchard is one of the more underrated point guards in the country. Kenny Wooten is out there looking like uh, Jordan Bell. You know, I've been trying to tell people from, from way back in November, and I actually think I said it on this radio show, that the uh, the best that Oregon is going to be is when they get rid of Bull Ball. They're better without mm, him because yeah. they become better defensively, and they're able to do exactly what they did in the year that they made the Final Four. And that's kind of coming to fruition. And I don't get a lot of things right, so I'm going to take a victory <laughs> lap on this one. I'm patting myself on the back. Um, so, uh, long story short, you know, every single game from here on out is going to be a game between two of the top 16 teams in college basketball. Every single game from here on out is going to be, I mean, they should all be close. They should all be good mm-hmm. games. They should all be uh, kind of the, the kind of, you know, musty TV that we want out of uh, the end of the NCAA tournament. You know, as the saying goes, you want Cinderella's early. You want chalk late in the tournament. You want those big-time powerhouse matchups, and every single one of those 16 matchups is going to be that way. I'm fired up. Yeah, I get your point. I do. Um, Carson Edwards, he's been a revelation this tournament. He was unbelievable on Saturday night. He looked like Carson Edwards up until you know January Carson Edwards. He was in a bit of a slot. Here's the, here's the one team I would put in. I'll take Oregon out. 
I'll put Murray State in so I can just see more John Morant. Yeah, John Morant against Virginia would be a lot of fun to watch, man, because uh, you know how Virginia likes to defend, and if he's able to, to carve that, them up, then maybe we should be talking about taking him number one over Zion. Yeah. But, um, I mean, that, that that performance he had against oh. Cat, that we should not overlook anything that happened in there. He sliced up the second-best team in the Big East, and I know the Big East stunk this year, but he sliced up the second-best team in the Big East while taking nine shots. <laughs> he made them look like it was me and you out there mm-hmm. trying to play defense. It was unbelievable to watch. You uh, you get into the draft. I know NBA draft uh, coming up here. A lot of people have had him targeted. Certainly a top five pick. I think he's number two, right right behind Zion. The way that it translates though from a Murray State. Any concerns at all when when you watch that guy, an under recruited guy, and doing the things that he's done? Who was that kid that played in the o- at Davis? OVC turned out pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't think that I really have any concerns about you know just on the level that he played at. Because like the, obviously the athleticism is going to translate to the NBA. Anybody that, that watches him can, can kind of figure out that, you know, he's what, like a top 1% athlete in the mm-hmm. NBA. You know, that explosiveness is always going to translate. And mm-hmm. um, his ability to read the game, you know, it's not like he's, all he's doing is just driving by people and finishing at the rim. He can do that, but he is, it's his ability to pass and his ability to, to, to read where defenses are going to go and to move defenses with his eyes and to see the pass that he can make and, and, and not just see where the pass is, but be able to throw that pass from an angle that it actually gets there. And it's just little things like that are the kind of things that will translate to the next level. Like basketball, like you, is never going to change whether you're playing low major division one basketball or playing in the NBA. If you have basketball like you, you have basketball like you. And I think John Morant, in addition to like his unbelievable physical gifts, has a really, really high basketball IQ. And and I'll tell you what, everybody is going to think that this kid is a shooter based off of what he did against Florida State in that first half. And he is not really a shooter. That was an outlier uh, shooting performance from him. So remember, he's a guy that normally shoots about like 32% from three. He is not a guy that, that is normally going to go five for five for three in a game. Hmm. Which one of the ones does it, one seeds doesn't get to Minneapolis? Gonzaga. I think it's a pretty easy call because I don't think that they can beat Florida State. You know, Florida State in the same spot last season beat them. The, mm-hmm. the, the knock on Gonzaga has always been to me, Josh Perkins. I, I have a very hard time trusting him completely in big games against teams that are going to get out and pressure him when he has to make decisions that can change the course of the season for Gonzaga. I don't necessarily think that that is the kind of situation you want him to be in. And Florida State, I mean, we saw it against Murray State, they have like 800 guys that are six foot six and athletic. Hmm. And Leonard Hamilton just deep, like yes. rotates them all in and, yep. they, and they just start, they, they press and they really get after you and they, they kind of get physical with you as a ball handler. And um, that really wore down Josh Perkins last year. I think it's going to wear down Josh Perkins this year. Uh, Florida State, you're getting seven points right now. So if you want to get your money in now before that line changes, that definitely moves towards or towards Florida State. A major push. Do it if you want to. If you want to profit with me, and, <laughs> and, and, you know, get in on the bait with those ten dollars bets. I think that's what you need to do. So um, I am with uh, I'm, I'm with Florida State. I think they end up beating Gonzaga. I have it in my bracket. I'm gonna I'm probably gonna end up betting the money lines because you know I, I like trying to make money with those ten dollars bets. And you live in a state where it's legal. I do live in a state where it's legal, which is, I mean, it has its its benefits and its its its, its downsides. You know, when you when you when, when it's easy to just kind of pick up your phone and put a bet in on a game, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily most uh, 
most ideal thing, but um, I'll tell you what, it's a lot of fun. Uh, that it is. Rob Doster joining us, NBCSports.com. Rob, always love to get your national perspective of our, of our local teams. Ohio State drops Iowa State in the first round, and then Iowa had that comeback we touched on earlier, but uh, falls short against Tennessee. Your thoughts, uh, Iowa, Iowa State this season, and, and maybe going forward for both programs? Well, for Iowa, I was like, what they did in the NCAA tournament was the exact opposite of what this Iowa program normally is, right? Mm-hmm. Like, their reputation is kind of they, they and it, it lived out for a lot of the year where they, they play really, really well for a while. I mean, they, they play, uh, they perform well just long enough that people like me and people like you start buying into them and start thinking that, hey, this team's got a chance to actually do something. And then it all just kind of falls apart. And it looked like that's what was going to actually happen with this Iowa team uh, down the stretch of the season. Uh, but credit to them, man. Like in in the NCAA tournament, they got down by twelve to Cincinnati, and they came back and they won by I forget what the final score was, but that was a really really impressive second half from them. Mm-hmm. And then against Tennessee, they were down by twenty five, <laughs> and you know they make one more shot, and, and they are the current the owners of the single biggest comeback in the history of the NCAA tournament. The fact that they got that game to overtime is just it's remarkable what they were able to do. So you got to credit them for that. Uh, I think that that probably is a good sign for him moving forward, but I, I just I don't know how much I trust Fran McCaffrey to continue winning. And like we've been over this before, man. Like I, I don't think that he is the greatest coach in the world, but I don't necessarily know if Iowa can do better than what he is. And I know with the buyout that he has, it just would not make sense to make any kind of changes at this point. So. Um, I, I, I kind of think Iowa just kind of is where they is. They, is, they are where they are. That, that's what the problem is. I'm on, a, I'm on like four hours. So, uh, <laughs> forgive me if I don't really know what I'm talking about at this point. But I do think that Iowa State is in a place where they're, they're, um, they're kind of getting that thing going. It, it depends on who they end up getting back, right? Like, does Lindell Wigginton end up going pro? Does Taylor Horton Tucker end up going pro? Is Tyrese Halliburton going to end up coming back? And if you get those guys back, you know, all of a sudden that team looks like it could end up being a serious threat in the Big 12 title race next year. You know, because all of those guys, I think the biggest part of the reason that they were so inconsistent this year um, had a lot to do with the fact that they they were so young and there there were so many freshmen and sophomores that were playing major, major, major minutes. So uh, getting those guys back for another, another year would certainly – uh, be a boost to the program. We'll see if that actually happens. Mm-hmm. Last thing for you, Rob, uh, the Duke-UCF game. Who missed the alley-oop late in that game? It's a, that's a play that's not getting me. We all remember the you know Zion uh, block charge. It was a non-call. It had to be one or the other, I thought. but And I thought it was a, I thought it was a charge. But who threw the alley or who missed the alley-oop at the end that, you know, he just laid in. Who knows what happens? It was Aubrey Dawkins. It was Dawkins. And, like, and, and here's the thing. Like, that... That wasn't a flashy play. You know, that alley-oop is the right play. That's the pass that you make and the play that you make in that situation. Because when, you, uh, when you're as athletic as Aubrey Dawkins is, going up and catching that pass and dunking it is, is about as easy as going in and laying a ball in. That's not a, that's not a highlight real play. That's just the play that you make in that situation with the way that everything kind of played out, the guy that was uh, back on defense. Um, unfortunately, Aubrey Dawkins just went through his hands. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those things that, kind of happens, and, and it's really hard to fault the kid because the only reason that UCF was in a position to Dawkins. Be, uh, up by four was Aubrey Dawkins yeah. playing like he was Kobe Bryant, man. He was unbelievable in that game. 
Um, and then, of course, Cam Reddish comes down to the other end and bangs three. three and all yeah. of a sudden, instead of being a six-point game, uh, you know, it's a one-point mm-hmm. game. And, um, I mean, the thing about the end of that, like, look, I know everybody is going to be criticizing the officials and say they do get all the calls because of the mistook and hold and the fact that R.J. Barrett might have pushed somebody off and, you know, maybe Zion committed an offensive foul. But if you watch the entirety of that second half, I don't think anybody can legitimately say that Duke got the better whistle. Like, Taco Falls should have fouled out mm-hmm. probably two, two yes, times. You're right. Um, Zion had, like, another charge call on him that was very, very questionable. That shot clock violation, I mean, look, that ball, I will go to my grave saying that ball didn't hit the rim. I know. Didn't look like it. They, I'm with you. I know why they didn't, they, they didn't overturn it. There was, I, I do not believe that that ball hit the rim. I don't think that, that you can. I don't think that they made the wrong call after they went back and reviewed it because I don't think that it's indisputable. It wasn't definitive. I agree with you. Yeah, but I don't. I, I don't think that that ball hit the rim. So no. they, I mean, if that if they don't count that shot, then I think it's again it's two more points and um, everything changes with the way that that plays out. So I, you know, the last call probably went in favor of Duke, but that doesn't mean that that Duke got the benefit of the stretch. How about Zion's bounce pass? That was the thing of beauty, boys. It really was. Guys, we're out of time. Uh, Rob, we'll talk to you next Monday, if not before. Thank you, Rob Doster. Appreciate it, as always. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Rob Doster, College Basketball Talk, NBCSports.com. That's going to do it. Murph and Andy at 2, the Fanatics at 4. They're live at G-Migs in Valley Junction. Tomorrow, the morning rush starts it all again. They're on the air at 6. Miller and Condon back at 10. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.